no, better, no other place I'd rather be other than possibly in the arms of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to get back into Proverbs in chapter 30 tonight. Proverbs in chapter 30 as we get into part two of the sermon series, mini-series, if you will, that we began last week. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 30, looking at verses 29 through 31, it says, There be three things which go well. Yea, four are comely in going, a lion which is strongest among beasts and turneth not away for any, a greyhound and a he-groat, and a king against whom there is no rising up. So, beloved, again, I want to bring part two to you, the second part tonight, on how to go well in our life, how to go well in our days, our weeks, our months, our years. Uh, uh, but it all begins with a moment. It all begins with a minute. It begins with a second. It begins with something that we have in our life every single day until the Lord says, it's up, it's done with, that's your final breath, that's your final heartbeat, uh, that's your final moment in this world today, and it's time to come on to the next so we need to look at what the, the Word of God has given us and how it teaches us how you and I can simply go well in life. Now, some people measure going well in life to their, by their bank account, their uh, number of friends, their uh, number of, of social media followers, uh, the success of a business, uh, whatever it may be. And guys, that's not how we go well. There are many, many, many successful men and women in the business world today. Uh, they are crooked as a dog's hind leg, as my dad would say, Okay. Uh, so going well is something that we learn from the attributes of the Creator. And as I mentioned last week, when we look at some of the animal, animal kingdom, as we know three are represented in the verses that we're looking at here this evening or last weekend this evening, God takes that animal kingdom and gives them as illustrations for us. What was given instinctively to them, we have to learn and apply. And that's the big key. It's one thing to know to do the right thing. It's another thing to do it. You understand? James says, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So, brother, when we look at our life and how the blessings and benefit that the Lord has set up for you and I to have, he has set it up for us to be able to follow his ways. Now, the greatest Christian that ever walked the face of this planet, the greatest preacher, the greatest church planner, the greatest missionary, the, the greatest man that ever walked the face of this planet outside of Jesus Christ, I said greatest Christian, you can't be, you know, Jesus Christ is the, is the template for that, was the Apostle Paul. And Paul had a little bit of a secret. His secret was not a, a hidden formula. He tells us very clearly how you can go well in your life. Now, I know we're looking at Proverbs, but I'm going to give you a verse on the screen, one that we looked at last week, two verses, Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. Now, chapter 3 is very, very important because we learn in chapter 3 that the Apostle Paul lost everything that he ever had before. We also learn in the same chapter that he excelled above and beyond all of his counterparts. He was the man. He was the valedictorian of everything. He sat under the school of Gamaliel, which was Israel's highest teacher. Paul was, was destined for great things. He was the representative of the synagogue of Cilicia. He was the man, and the Lord struck him down on the road to Damascus as he was going to arrest Christians, people that named the name of Christ and haul them back before the priest. And he got saved. He was born again. So Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, as he's writing back to this wonderful church, he says, brethren, I count to myself to have apprehended. But he says, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. I'm going to stop there. I'm just going to expound just a little bit. I, I hit vert chapter, uh, verse um, part one this morning in this series, as we learned here last week. And I expounded a little bit on, on, on Philippians 3, just in the, in the front end of the sermon. And I want to do so now. 
Paul's secret, greatest Christian that ever lived, greatest uh, you know, man of God, testimony above testimonies, is summed up to this one thing, forgetting those things which are behind. Now, beloved, if you've been in church any uh, length of time in your life, you know that uh, church for me, uh, church is a, how do I put it? Church is a lifeblood for me. And you say, well, you're a pastor, you're a preacher, it's got to be that way. It, it, it was like that before I was a pastor and a preacher. If the doors were open, man, I was in the church. If there was a ministry opportunity, we were in there. I mean, I just, it is a lifeblood for me. But I'm saying that to make this point. If you have been involved in church in some way, level, shape, form, or fashion in your life, you've had a bad experience. If you've been connected and you've gotten close, everybody's had a sour experience in a church. Just like you've had a sour experience at Aldi's and at Tesco and at Asda and every other place that we still go to, amen, and we still give money to, amen, that we go weekly and keep them in business, if you will. I'm making this point. Just because you had a bad experience in church in one, two, three different areas doesn't mean that you carry them forward and you're going to have it now today. And it by far should not address or adjust or uh, um, harm your walking going well in the life that you live in now. Why do I say that? This one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. And we've all had bad situations in our life. We've all had storms. We've all had circumstances. I said this this morning, but guys, Denise and I could tell you some stories that would make the hair on the back of your neck stand up of things that we went through, not only early in the ministry, but even after I planted my first church. And guess what? It wasn't from the world. <laughs> it wasn't from, uh, from the enemies of the cross. It was for those who named the name of Christ. I mean, I, I mean, it's enough to say, I'm done with this. But see, I don't serve man or the box. I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. When I say the box, I mean the four walls, okay? So my Lord is, is true. And Paul said, listen, I had some bad issues happen to me. I lost a lot of things. I've had some people kill me, try to kill me. Matter of fact, one of the guys who falsely accused me, this is Paul speaking, I'm speaking on his behalf, one of the church leaders, one of the high priests in Corinth, who, had, who falsely accused me, had me brought before the judge. The judge saw through his, uh, his animosity, saw, saw through his false accusation, and then therefore had him, the man was named Sosthenes, had him beaten, <laughs> later on got saved and became an intricate a member of the church of Corinth. That would have never happened if Paul wouldn't have said this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Guys, there's nothing you can do about this morning. You may have had a bad experience pulling to the car park tonight. Maybe the traffic was bad. Maybe you were angry. That's done. There is nothing you can do about it. So forget it and move on. How do we move on? How do we go well? Paul says reaching forth unto those things which are before. Guys, there's only one way that I'm going to reach forth to the things that are before. I've got to let go of what's behind. And he says, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In the upcoming weeks, Lord willing, I want to bring a message that is centered around that word press, that's centered around what it requires to truly press and what it means to press. And in your mind, I want you to think about a, an olive press, a millstone, if you will. 
The first pressing of the olives, guys, are, are, it's the bad oil. It's the oil that's used in the lanterns to light the lanterns. It's basically fuel, if you will. It doesn't taste good at all. Then they come back around with that millstone, and they, they grind it back over those olives again. That's when you get the good, decent olive oil. But, but I tell you what, it's nothing like that third press. That third press is what you pay for in the store called the extra, extra, extra virgin olive oil. That's the, that's the expensive stuff. That's good stuff. It gets rid of some of the impurities, and that's why, that's why most of your healthy recipes are calling for that type of olive oil. But you're not going to get it without some type of pressing, without some type of hard work. So, beloved, here as we look tonight at another character, another illustration, another issue in Proverbs chapter 31, as we take it from the animal kingdom uh, for the last time, and then we go into uh, our kingdom, the human kingdom, if you will, we find that, that not only last week, last week what we looked at is that, uh, you know, we, there had to be a stand that needed to be taken. And that was a likelihood of the lion. Now, we all want to be that lion, especially men. This is the man's verse. I mean, if there's ever a verse in the Bible that every man wants, it's the lion. They want to be a lion. Nobody wants to be that thing, okay? Nobody wants to be the greyhound, do they? And I don't blame them. I, I mean, man, they're fast as all get out, but that's not a very, anybody have a greyhound in here? I said this this morning, and I had somebody in church that had a greyhound. <laughs> so it's just not, a, I mean, it, I, I, I don't know. But, boy, they're fast as lightning, aren't they? And we looked, so we looked at, at standing last week when we looked at, at the lion, and that is the great place to be, to stand. The lion, you know, which is strongest among the beasts and turneth not away, um, you know, from anything at all. But then we had to be swift, did we not? Meaning that we had to be swift, and we were focusing mainly last week on our reaction. So you can be strong as the lion. You can have that stand upon the truth, and we should. You know what, guys? Again, I'm not trying. The clock's gone, which is good, but you know, it didn't work. And uh, <laughs> there's, there's standing on the truth and doing it swiftly, meaning your reaction is swift to hear, slow to speak. And then they're standing on the truth and just becoming an outright jerk. My way or the highway. That's the problem. You, do we, we understand what I'm saying? There are all kinds of men out there that stand on the truth. And I, and I know them personally, friends of mine, if you will, or acquaintances, they stand on the truth. But when it comes to that swiftness of a greyhound, when it comes to that slow reaction with the mouth and, and with wrath, they just fall short in that area. I think we probably all do it sometime another in our life. And I'm not saying, uh, I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus. I am just saying that if you want to go well in life and you want to please the Lord and you want to do the things that, 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 that God wants you to do and you want to have the blessings and the benefit in your life that God wants to give you, it's going to require you to stand upon truth. And people are going to mock you out and you're going to lose friends and you're not going to get invitations to all the other things. And who cares, okay? As long as you're standing on truth, man, listen, if you're standing with truth, God will bless you beyond your imagination. But to double that up when you stand upon truth is to be swift to hear and slow to speak, slow to wrath. That's how you're going to go well. That's how you're going to go well. That's the first two steps to go well. So now what are the next steps? What is the next animal that we find there in Proverbs chapter 30? Well, it's a he-goat, the Bible says. Now, in your mind, why do you, why do you think Solomon says a he-goat? That's just a male, a male goat. They're uglier than the female goats. They are. If you ever look at a he-goat, that's not a pretty sight. They're very powerful. They're honoring. 
All right. As a matter of fact, in, in Daniel, um, the nation of Greece is, a, is depicted as a he-goat. And the reason being is the founder of the nation of Greece. Is anyone Greek in here? Good. All right. So <laughs> I'm just trying not to offend anyone, man. Uh, but the, the way Greece was established was the followers. And I, I can't place the man's name, number one. Number two, I probably can't pronounce it correctly. Uh, but he followed, they followed a he-goat around. And if anyone who's been to Greece, you'll notice that there are statues and emblems all over the walls of a ram, of a he-goat, if you will. And as, as you, they followed this he-goat around, and anywhere the he-goat defecated, they built a city. These are idolaters that worship the birds and the bees and the sycamore trees. That's how Greece was established. Before it was the mighty ruling Greece that, that conquered the Medes and the Persians, who conquered the Babylonians, before it was all of that, they were a group of people following around a, uh, um, a goat. And every place he let himself go, they built a city because they figured that's what their gods wanted them to do. That's their origin. So why a he-goat? Because of the soundness of their steps. There's several examples that we can use of a goat and how this characteristic really applies to us and, and how, how, how they keep their head down and they move forward. But the one that I want to focus on is the soundness of their steps. It, it's, it, it's fed by the tenacity. In my Bible, I've written down these characteristics and not alliterations, but I gave the boldness to the lion. I gave the speed to the greyhound. But it is the tenacity of the goat that God wants us to have in our life. A goat will have a goal in mind. Maybe it's to reach food or shelter in a remote location. Uh, they are not dissuaded by uneven even terrain. If you ever watch any type of wildlife video, which I believe we all have, and you've noticed those goats, and some of them are perched with all four feet on one rock, just standing, and you're thinking, what are they doing? You may have seen them standing on the side of a mountain, and you're trying to figure out, you're just driving, you're like, well, he just stood there, he may just be hanging out. He's not hanging out. There's a purpose behind what he's doing. They're not dissuaded by uneven terrain. They're not even moved by dangerous terrain, things that you and I would look at and go, there's no way I'm going to do that. There's got to be a better way. They're not. But they're not as stubborn to just continue the same path, which only results in peril. Meaning this, guys, they're stood on that rock with all four feet like this right here. What they're doing is they're trying to pick a better path than they're on. That's tenacity. They figured out that if I continue, I continue this way right here, it's going to bring danger to my life. It's going to bring harm to my life. It's going to rob me of the blessings that I know my God wants. I know the goat's not saying that, but this is now we're applying it to us. They're picking a better path before they make the next step. A goat is not hasty in their decision. They're very patient. They're not stubborn. A goat's move, this goat's move result in, uh, from a thought. They are sound thought. You know what the word sound means? It means healthy. Healthy. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 30 says, A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy is the rottenness of the bones. So, beloved, what we're looking at, this type of characteristic is a calculating characteristic. It is something that uh, he, he's, 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 he's focusing on his steps, and we as, as Christians today need to be able to adjust our steps and, uh, according to the will of God in the manner of safety and surety. Psalm chapter 37 and in uh, verse 23, the Bible says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his ways, his way. 
So here in the Zacchaeus, the goat is known for their, their tenacious maneuvers throughout mountainous terrains and, and also directing sound steps. These, these steps are sound in our life. And sure, guys, you know, you know, why should our steps be the same? Why should we ponder our goings? Why should we allow the Lord to direct each one of our steps? And why should we stop sometimes and slow down and say, okay, there's got to be a better path? Well, the Bible tells me this. It says, thou hast enlarged my steps under me that my feet did not slip. If we'll take the time and ask the Lord what our next step is, if we'll take the time to evaluate the situation, if we'll take the time to consider the will of God in our life, when our steps are ordered by the Lord, he will enlarge them underneath us. And he does so to ensure our safety, healthy and not otherwise. So that's the animal kingdom. That's the animal kingdom. Three things, he says, but four are commonly. So we've seen taking a stand upon truth. We, we've seen uh, being swift as a greyhound in our reactions. And we've seen the sound steps to the decisions, the tenacity of the he-goat. But that fourth one, that fourth characteristic, it's the characteristic of strength. And it's what we see in the Proverbs 30 as the king. And did you know the word king occurs in the Bible 2,364 times? The Bible says that mercy and truth preserve the king, and his throne is upholding by mercy. There are qualities of a king that we as believers must possess. Not one of domination, as most people would feel, but one of ruling for sure. Solomon said this. Solomon said, he that is slow to anger, hey, there's that greyhound again. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. That's a hard task. It's a hard task to say no when you want to say yes. It's a hard task to to tighten that, uh, those emotions down. Those of you that are involved in Encounter 66, you know what we're addressing with those four areas. That mental discipline is associated with that emotional stability. They go hand in hand. Where the discipline goes, the emotional stability go follows. The Apostle Paul again said this, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Can you imagine having no strength? Strength is not shown in your anger, but rather the withholding of anger. It's not a sin to get angry, guys. Trust me. The sin occurs what you do with it. Strength is seen in the ability to hold back, to resist. Proverbs 25 and verse 28 says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. We're talking about strength now. Now, before you sit here and think, man, I can't wait till we close tonight, I'm going to pray for strength. Don't do it. What's the only way you get strength? That's right. You add weight. You work harder. If you pray for strength tonight, <laughs> you're going to get the weight put into your life. That's the only way it comes. Or you can choose to apply it in your life. You can work to keep under your body and bring it into subjection. You can work to be slow, slow to anger. You can work to allow your kingdom, if you will, which is your body, your temple, to be upholden by mercy. And you can understand that he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. What this means is it's a city without defense. 
No protection. Beloved, and there's, there's no rising up against a king which ruleth well, if you will. There is strength in bringing our spirit under control, being able to control our emotions, control our reactions, control our actions in this world today. This isn't just about what you, where you go, what you wear, or, or anything along that line, or what you watch, guys. And uh, so many people today, I mean, so many people emphasize some of the minuscule things, things that, that they have no problem with, if you will, and, and dress a certain way, talk a certain way, act a certain way, part your hair a certain way, wear the right tie, wear, all of these different things that they've set up as pinnacles of spirituality, and yet they'll sit down at lunch and they'll eat a 3,000-calorie lunch. That doesn't float, does it? That's not strength. <laughs> King ruleth his spirit will go well in his life. Jesus Christ said this. He said, no man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. Beloved, the same people that Jesus Christ was speaking to in Mark chapter 3, in that verse right there, about the strong man being bound, and when the strong man is bound, you know how you're bound? You're bound by having no strength. You have no strength when you can't control yourself. When you're incontinent in this life, when you're incontinent in living, when you can't say no and you can't say, when you can't do the things you should do, that's when you have no strength. That's the key. You think it's easy getting up, and, uh, getting up early in the morning or going to bed late? It's not easy. It's not really easy for most people. But you do it anyway. Why? Because it's the disciplined thing to do in order to have a productive day. It's not easy to, if we, if we use a gym illustration, it's not easy to be in there in a class at, for some people at 525 in the morning, meaning they're having to get up at a quarter to five in the morning. It's not easy, but once it's done and it's finished and six o'clock rolls around and you're, you're you know, walking out there, your endorphins are firing, you've got, pro, I mean, you're, you're ready to take on the day. It's not easy, though. My friend, if it was easy, everybody would do it, wouldn't they? Take strength. But the same people Jesus is speaking here about the strong man being bound and, and when that strong man is bound by being the loss of emotions and all this and that, when, when, when that strong man is bound and he goes in and spoils his good, these are the religious Pharisees that Jesus Christ was speaking to. So in Mark 3, the very same people he's speaking to in Mark chapter 3 are the very same people that he's speaking to in Matthew 23, where he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! He says, for you pay tithe and men and anise and cumin and have omitted the way to your matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave uh, and the others uh, undone. Ye blind guides, he calls them, which strain it out and swallow a camel. There's certain things, guys, that uh, self-induced standards, things that come into our life that are easy, but there are things that come into our life that requires restraint, that require strength on our part, things that we need to better our Christian life, to build up our strength and build up our faith, to exercise mercy and grace and faith and all of these things in our life today, lest the strong man be bound and us not be able to rule ourselves correctly. You know what happens to those who... They set rules over others, but they can't say no to gossip and gainsaying and gluttony and all that. Proverbs chapter 1 tells us in verse 17, surely in vain the net is spread in the, the sight of any bird. I want you to think about something here when we're looking at this methodology of these animals here, and I'll be done here in just a few minutes or so. When we start looking at 
I, I, I illustrate a lot of things in life based on a game of football. Because I spent the majority of my life up until a few years ago, that's what I did. I played for 19 years. Most of the foundation of my life, be it from uh, business to training, just life and decisions were learned on the gridiron, okay? But life is not a game. Life's a battle. Life is a battle and there is an enemy. And we need to understand that if we don't have the strength of this king that the Lord is telling us, four are comely that walk together, they're pleasing unto him. If we don't have this strength in our life, we're becoming prey in this world. We're becoming prey to the enemy, prey to our emotions, prey to the lack of discipline, prey to, to falling down into a world today that is really bent on your destruction. I think about wolves. Wolves hunt in packs, okay? But here's what happens with a wolf, guys, is, is the wolf you see is never the one you should ever worry about because they flank. And the wolf that you see is nothing more than a distraction while it's the others attack. This is how the strong man is bound. Too many binding themselves by either straining it out and swallowing camels or too many binding themselves by not looking at, at their life to how they can apply the needed difference in their days. Paul said, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. I believe in a balanced life. I believe in a balanced, uh, you know, work life, a balanced uh, uh, life that we've been given. And as a matter of fact, uh, guys, I mean, there, there are so many things that we can look at in our life and and say, what should I do? How should I change? And Proverbs chapter 23 tells us this concerning restraint. He says, and put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite. You see, I know that's a bit of a, a drastic maneuver there, but you've got to look at it illustratively. Guys, if we can't rule our own spirit, we need to stop trying to rule others. Mercy and truth. Preserve the king, mercy and truth. If you want to live above reproach and no one rise up against you, this does not mean that you're going to be perfect by any means, but it does mean that we need to learn from our mistakes. What did Paul say? Forgetting that which is behind. The strong man is bound in the household. His goods of his household are spoiled. When? When he's over here too concerned what happened yesterday and last month. and last. We need to learn from our mistakes and guess what? Move on. So what does it mean? What does it tell us? Verse 29 is very clear. It says that four are calmly in going. When you tie all these together to go well, we adapt the characteristics in a manner that enables us to stand firm as a lion, uh, moving with the swiftness of a greyhound, Sam, uh, sound steps ramming the enemy because we are more than conquerors in the strength of the king whom no one will rise up. Going well, guys. The Bible tells us, Jesus tells us to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. What is a serpent? A serpent is subtle and a serpent is a predator, but he says be harmless as doves as well. We need to be smart. We need to order our steps by the Lord. We need to make sure that we stand upon truth, that we are swift with our actions, sound with our steps, and have the strength of a conquering king if we want to go well. For commonly, the Bible tells us, the lion who stands most of the time, uh, guys, the lion is, is very quiet, yet he turneth not away from any. 
His actions are solid. He is strong. The lion doesn't go around announcing to the animal kingdom who and what he is. He just is. And guess what? Everyone knows it. He isn't known by what he does or says, but rather simply for who he is. In other words, the lion does not have, and no offense to anyone, little man syndrome. The lion is what he is. He exists. He stands. But I'm saying that to say this in closing tonight as we review these four characteristics. You don't have to go through your life announcing what you are. You know, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. I'm on my way to heaven. Are you? I'm not against that if that's what you want to do. If the Lord's told you to do that, go ahead. But you don't have to do that. You know what you can do? You can just be. You can have a testimony. You can live a godly and Christian life before this world today and just stand upon truth. Again, I'm going to reiterate this idea and this point. If you stand upon truth, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you friends. It may even cost you popularity. But you know what it won't cost you? It won't cost you respect. People respect those who will not conform. The greyhound who is swift, moving with eloquence in their life, they're known for grace. The greyhound's attribute in our life is that of speaking less and listening more, gathering our thoughts and placing them in the arena of God's merciful hand, and it is more than our actions, but rather it's our reactions. Our reactions take precedent over our actions. Paul said this yet again, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Think about that for just a second. Read that. We're, we're, guys, we are literally a couple of minutes away from being finished before we close. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul says do. And the God of peace shall be with you. If you want the God of peace with you today, Paul's giving you a formula of how to do that. And you say, well, how am I going to know what Paul did? Well, the majority of the book of Acts is Paul's life, okay? The book of Acts is, is about essentially four men. It's about Peter, Stephen, John, and Paul. That's essentially what it is, okay? Uh, or, yeah, Barnabas and Paul. He wrote 14 epistles, letters. If you want to know and learn what Paul has done, it's, it's very simple, Guys, we are to stand and we are to be swift. We are to do. The goat in his sound steps, able to move about and odd and rough and in all fairness, dangerous terrain and on a mountainside, he does so with tenacity. The goat does not give up. He moves forward with sound steps. He does not waste steps. The goat has no problem in waiting for a moment to calculate his next move, to evaluate the mountainside, and he moves with sound, healthy, life-given steps. Because he understands that no matter how far he gets, his journey is worthless if he loses his life. And then there's the king. There's no rising up against the king. Again, we must understand that we are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us, and it is in his strength, the king of kings, which enables us to move forward, to stand as a lion, to be swift as a greyhound, and have sound steps as the he-goat. So simply put tonight, guys, if you're going to go well, in these days, it will be through 
the power and the might of the King of Kings, of which we possess tonight the Holy Spirit of God if we are saved and born again. So I bid you this day, I want you to go well in life. I want everything that you lay your hand to to go well. But the formula has been given for how it's going to go well. Your strength, your power, your might comes from the King of Kings. It doesn't come from us. It doesn't come from ourselves. It doesn't come from our ability. It doesn't come from any of those things. But these four characteristics, the Bible tells us that these four are calmly. We can go well. We can work toward removing our shortcomings in life by applying the four characteristics in our, listen carefully, and we're finished, daily living. You know what would be easy? It would be easy if on Sunday, and we could just live that good life on Sunday and praise God and pray and preach and sing and all of that. And then come Monday, just start kicking and stomping and complaining and murmuring and aggravate and everything be well. But it ain't going to fly like that. You see, I mentioned in the very beginning of this thing about uh, Philippians 3, by forgetting those things which are behind. That's easy. We want to do that with the negative things, don't we? We want to, here's what we want to do. All the tragic things that has happened to us in the last 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, 20 years, I want to forget those things. But man, I don't want to forget those great things. Hannah, you're so good. You're so nice. You're so pretty. You're so sweet. You're doing such a great job in life. Okay? Now, that's a compliment. I believe in giving credit where credit's due. I do. That's why we sent the message out for Natalie, congratulate her on her graduation and, and the great things that Hannah has done. But what Hannah needs to do now, after she got all these accolades, told her how great she is, water off a duck's back. Because tomorrow's going to come, and tomorrow may not be like Sunday. And that same tenacity that he goat has, that same strength that that king has, that same standing on truth that that, um, that, that uh, lion has, and that swiftness that the gray has, you're going to have to apply those every day. Because the day begins in winning the moment, the minute in your life. Not just on Sunday. Not just on Monday. But applying these characteristics every single day in our life. Beloved, that's how you're going to go well. That's how I'm going to go well. And we're going to do better and go well together rather than do it alone. Will you bow your heads tonight? Father, thank you for this opportunity and time to stand before your people. I thank you, dear Lord, for allowing us to preach your word. And I simply ask you tonight, dear Lord, that with the Holy Spirit moving, I ask you to please touch and tender the hearts and lives of everyone present. Father, we've heard for the past two weeks how you have given us a, a formula to go well in the days that you have granted and given us on this life. So I ask you tonight to allow us to apply them every day. And when we begin to slip, I pray that you bring this thought right back to where it belongs. So we can have those sound steps. So we can have that strength that is not, uh, that is not moved against. That we can have that ability to stand with truth and the swiftness of the greyhound. I ask of you, Lord, help us go well every single day. Bless us tonight as we depart here later on. Keep us safe throughout the week and bring us back to the next appointed time. But I do ask you to allow these words to not soon be forgotten by the hearers this evening, as well as the one that has preached it. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen.